0: And uh, so I just told my parents, I said, you know, you can either let me go to public school or I'll get expelled and go to public school. <laughs> <laughs> so One they, way or another, you're going to a public school. So they go. finally yes, relented. Yes.
1: And you said you were inspired to, be, to the priesthood at an early age. I was. Uh, in, the,
0: in the seventh grade, I had that that, uh, that call to be a priest, very much so.
1: But this you would, didn't go into seminary right out of high school or college, did you?
0: I did not, no. Uh, because of the example, I, uh, my problem was I let other people get to my faith. I let other people decide my faith for me. Mm-hmm. So they influenced me a lot and I thought I didn't want any part of it. But I mean there was a time I didn't set foot in the church for 10 years and I didn't go to confession for like 30. I just I loathed the church
1: after all that. Mm, wow. And so you were, you told me before we started recording that career wise, you, you worked in the transportation industry, I right? Did. You also mentioned some, some children. And right, so, right. you know, a lot of people think, oh, wow, a priest with kids, but that's, you know, not too uncommon. There are cases like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, tell us about you're, you know, young adult and, you know, adult ages. And what what, what were you doing? Well, I went into, uh, I started driving uh, a truck,
0: and I, I, I loved it. And then when my, when my marriage ended, uh, I got custody of my daughters. And then, so I tried to actually go to school so I'd become a teacher or something. And so my schedule would line up to theirs. My youngest daughter got so sick um, that I had to get a job with health insurance to take care of her. She had to have some procedures done. So I started driving for a local company and ended up managing, uh, I just kept going up in management and climbing up in management. And then there's two different companies I went back and forth with for a while in management. And then once they were grown, um, and they didn't need me anymore as far as support and stuff like that. Now they're both married and have kids, but, uh, an opportunity to tour the Broadway shows. So I started touring the Broadway shows in charge of transportation and, uh, that was the life i'll tell you that was uh so living in new york no 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 no. i was uh,
1: chewing all over the country in oh, Canada. okay okay so something you had a catalyst moment on broadway right or I did. yeah tell us about that
0: my mother was always well you know it started back when i was raising my daughters my mother always told me that i was responsible for the daughters and the souls of my daughters so i would start taking them to church but i never went to receive communion um because I was outside the church and I knew it. And I didn't really want to receive communion either. But I tried to do the best I could by them because I didn't want my problems to, inter- inter- you know, influence them. Uh, but then once they were grown, I, I uh, was touring with the shows and whatnot, and I started going to church now. And then I went into one in Asheville, North Carolina. I just felt so much peace. It was a Catholic church. And it just started going from there. So I... Um, and then we were walking to a bar one night, myself and the crew and some of the cast. And and uh, this one show I was on at the time was very offensive uh, to Christians. And so they were talking about that because the, the Christians would pick at the show. And they were talking about how great it was. You mm-hmm. know, I said, man, that's good advertising but they pick at the show. And so the head carpenter turned around and said, are all Christians as cool as you? I said, I don't know. I've never thought about it because he knew I was Catholic. Mm-hmm. But that just started ringing in my head like they're all as cool as me. I thought that actually wasn't a compliment. Yeah. So I started to learn my faith. I looked on the internet and uh, I read somewhere that said that all Catholics pray the rosary daily. I thought, I don't know a single Catholic besides a mother <laughs> that prays the rosary. <laughs> but I tried because she gave me my aunt's uh, rosary. And so I had to, I remember the Hail Mary and Our Father, but I knew there was a glory something. I never heard the mysteries. So I started uh, Reading the prayer, I wrote them all down for one. Then I would read them for a couple months and read the mysteries and do it like that. And after I got it committed to memory, I just started talking to Our Lady. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, just telling her everything. I said, you know, I said, if you could talk to your son for me, because, you know, I said, there's a lot of things, you know, I thought were right, but come to find out without him, nothing's right. And We just started talking like that. And after a while, I said, you know, I've been praying for quite a while now. It couldn't have been more than three or four months at the most, maybe not even that long. So the conversation's been awful one-sided. It'd be nice if you or the Lord could say something now then. And the next day I prayed the rosary. Uh, Every we time the RFI that came up, Christ prayed. Hmm. And love just permeated through my whole body. And I thought, wow. And then my spiritual life took off from there. And for, for the next six to eight months, with just myself and Christ, it was almost like I just engaged in conversation. And he just gave me like a tour of the church and everything else. And he gave me back to his mother, but he, he told me, um how expecting you to treat his mother, which is kind of hard coming from God because yeah, I expect you to treat your
1: his mother I'm always curious you know when somebody says something like you said as far as God communicating, I think most people would like to have a prayer life like that where it seems crystal clear exactly what God is saying. How did he communicate something so vivid and so specific to you what's that? Uh, that, that you did about treating his mother, uh, you said that that God communicated that well to he
0: you. well, he would just say different things. I said, "Are you telling me how you expect me to treat your mother uh-huh. i felt I felt so humiliated then because you know i had kind of I had kind of a wild life so uh, i mean i 've left a lot out of this story, obviously, and uh, so I was afraid to talk to her for a while. I was a little distance from her then i then once once um, I realized uh, it was pure love I learned from her, and it was pure love I was giving her. I wasn't worried about it anymore. But he mm-hmm. was just like, you know, you, you respect my mother, basically. It was what it was. Um, initially, initially, it was all spoken. It was all spoken. Mm-hmm. Uh, even driving sometimes, you, you know, I had, I had to have the radio on. He'd say something, and the conversation would start. But Then after a while, I started feeling so bad because I thought, you know, you don't need to talk. You're, you're lowering yourself so low for me. I said, please. I said, just please don't don't lower yourself that low for me. And then it went into, like, when he would speak or when he would say something, almost like a little light would go off or something like that. And it became more infused. Where in, in a in a millisecond, I have a whole conversation, which mm-hmm. was just incredible. Yeah, and his Voice but it's more fitting for him instead, of, because he was stooping so low to talk to me and it wasn't worth that. Yeah. So that's how it changed.
1: How many, you know, of course, here we are, 2023, you're a Catholic priest. Uh, how many years ago was this? I'm just trying to get kind of a timeline. That on my started mind. in 2009. Okay, so, okay, 2009. So that would have been about 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, I should have asked this before, but you said you spent a, a, a many years out of the church, not going to mass. I did. What was the reason for that? Or what did you dislike the church or her teachings i know you had you know the bad experience in catholic schools but what 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 why why were you away just uh the whole thing about the church uh, my grandparents on my
0: mother's side were divorced they got married because she was divorced she was an abusive marriage and it was just almost close to the to the end of their lives when their marriage got blessed so i always held that against them but little did i know that that made my grandparents more holy because they just had the one child and they slept in separate beds. And people say, well, back then they did, but they lived that. They never missed mass. They never missed a holy day. They were very very holy people. So when they got their marriage blessed, when they took their uh, their honeymoon and went on a cruise, before that they never did. Mm-hmm. So I I realized how beautiful it actually was and how much they loved the church. Yeah. I didn't find that out till later. And then also, my grandmother would pray the rosary every day. They're in, lived in Chicago, so she'd ride the L, you know, which is the above mm-hmm. ground subway, basically, on that track. she prayed pray the rosary every day that she would never be left alone, that she would go before her husband. And uh, so my grandfather got uh, cancer, bone cancer. In fact, this watch I have on belonged to him, but I remember one time he helping him go to the bathroom. I had to carry him, and this watch fell off, fell off his arm. He was such a A holy man so proud in a good way he took such good care of his family and uh then my my mother told me you know she had a stroke because he he hung on so long and then she told me but she always prayed for that so uh my grandmother had a stroke she's in the hospital they wouldn't let him stay in the same room we wheeled him in there and she said i don't know why i love you but i do and they're holding hands you know Mm -hmm. and they're in their 80s or i think their 80s at least their high 70s um and then she died so we told him he
1: died 2 hours later. Mm. Oh wow. Yeah. So, okay, so we 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 got to the point about 14 years ago um and you're communicating with God and and you're going to mass I presume as well at this point, right? It started to yes. Yeah, yeah. And you wanted, you know, your daughters to to practice the faith as well. When did you know the, the call to the priesthood came when you were quite young in school and now obviously at some point that call comes back how, how did god well he uh, a- he asked me if i wanted to be a priest
0: and over over about three nights and uh so i finally said lord ask me to be a priest and uh, then i jumped out of bed i said uh, i said okay i'll do it but but um i said you got to figure it out because I'm, I'm up to my neck in this life and um so I called my mother and told her I thought she was going to pass out. <laughs> when well, I told her and she said, you know, it takes like seven to eight years of school. So, oh, man, I don't, I don't know if I want to be a priest now, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, but things started happening. Like, you know, my, my truck had a kitchen and hardware floors and it was round sound and cedar line closets. It was very fancy. I was at the top of my game. And, uh, I'm doing the dishes one time and I'm, I'm folding up the towel. It's like the corporal and I'm looking at the chalice. I'm looking at it, it's all real. So, look out my window, and I see all these trucks in the parking lot. I thought it just doesn't look look like it belongs in the church, but it mm-hmm. just seems so real. And
1: Things like that just kept happening. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, eventually, you decided to do what? Call call the vocation director and say because uh, you you would be what they call a quote older vocation, right? I mean, you're not, right late, late, late uh, vocation. Uh, yes. I know, I know some people don't like that term because they're like, hey, a vocation is right whenever it happens. But yes. yeah, was that, uh, was that challenging to think, gosh, I'm going to be going to school with these young guys and I'm, I'm a bit older. or was, well, it- I never
0: thought that far ahead. Actually, uh, the Lord never told me to get in contact with anybody. He just said, he want to be a priest. And seeing and this is where people mess up a lot is they, they take it to the next level. Like Abraham and Sarah, uh, he said they would have a child. He didn't. He didn't ask them to go. You know, use a slave girl or anything. He said, yeah. and he actually then he confirmed it. No, the child's going to be coming from Sarah, not, not Hagar. And um, so I, I emailed, city I emailed dice to Dallas, one of the diocese of Fort Worth a couple of times, emailed some orders, and nobody ever answered I me. Mean, the, the vocations director in Fort Worth was never there. And uh, so I just, I, I blew it off. I didn't think, I thought, but I knew it was, I knew the call was real. I thought, well, maybe, maybe, uh, it's not going to happen. But there was a voice one time that said, You will never be a priest of mine, which wasn't the Lord, obviously. And, uh, so I just, I didn't think about it. I, I didn't think it was going to be a priest, but then he told me to get, he wanted me to get off the road, just bothering him to get off the road. And, uh, some things started happening. And one time I said, Well, why do I have to get off the road? I'm doing great. I'm making good money, you know? Uh, I said, I get to spend time with you, and I have a war in the world. He said, because of me, you're doing well. Mm-hmm. And I got pulled over, like, for two months. I got pulled over eight times just to inspect my truck. And I'd already, already gotten out of the entertainment business because other things, but uh, so I had my own business. And so I just, I was, it made me mad. I said, okay, something happened there, and I said, okay, I'll get off the road. Well, I didn't. You know, six months later, I'm in San Jose, California. I actually just told this story in a homily. I'm in San Jose, California. And, uh, for two weeks, everything went wrong. It was like I was in a real life chess game. And like, if I had to turn left, I'd have to turn, it'd make me turn right. Just nothing worked out. And so I'm in this parking lot that had, uh, it had been years before my conversion. I just would have changed my logbook and gone. But now, since the Lord prefers you to be honest and truthful, I'm going to spend the night, so I'm staying in the company's, the, my customer's parking lot. And that's time I'm going to move where I can park, where I won't get blocked in the morning. And this truck passes up the entrance, and he backs in and it takes him forever, you know, to back in probably ten minutes. There's this heavyset guy. He's got guy <coughs> one of those newsboy hats on. He's got a stogie out of his hanging out of his mouth, and he parks right where I was going to park. I <laughs> said, "What are you doing, man?" He said, he, he said, I'm going to stay here for the night. I said, I was about to park there. He said, not anymore. He just starts laughing, rolls up his window, and goes back to sleep and goes to bed. So I pointed this guy. I said, Lord, this is you. And I was so mad. I was kicking, <laughs> kicking rocks in the park. And I said, what do you want from me? I said, there's no way that this can be a coincidence. I know this is you. I said, because you have a flair for the dramatic. I said, all that stuff. I said, that was you. I said, what do you want from me? I told you I'd give you everything. Of course, I never, cause I never got off the road. He said, I want you to trust me. He said, you don't trust me. I thought. Mm-hmm. They, they killed the conversation for one, <laughs> but uh, I got off the road immediately and I shut down my business and sold my truck. I did it so quickly that it ran it even end up and caused other problems and then it cost me tens of thousands of dollars when I did that because there's yeah. a few things I missed. But I never I never faltered. I may, I, I said no, I'm going to trust you and no matter what, I just I
1: just stayed with it. Yeah, and still no calls back from the vocation directors, or did somebody finally? Somebody must have returned your call eventually, or so. How did how did you get? Well, uh, what happened was,
0: uh, I just thought that I didn't want to thought that well, I'm not going to be a priest. And actually, at the time, I thought you know this was great because I can just on the congregation, I can just pray, I don't have to worry about it. So I was off the road for three years. and I was actually selling trucks, and uh, because I, and I had commission only, because that way it was my own hours. I could make mass, I was making a daily mass. And doing those things, but every time I tried to quit and do something else, it's like I, my prayer life went horrible. So would, <clears throat> excuse me, so I wouldn't quit. And then one morning, one because every Sunday, like I would spend all day in prayer, reading spiritual books and the Bible and whatnot. And uh, one Sunday, it's like it's like okay, it's time. Mm-hmm. So I called a friend of mine. and I said, "Hey," and she's actually had three audiences with the Pope. You know, she's, she's a holy woman. Say, hey, this is what I was thinking. Maybe I'm supposed to, like, start a mission for our lady because I was involved in the Legion of Mary and do that. And she said, let me pray about it. I'll get back to you. She prayed. She said, no, I see you talking to a lot of people, but that's not it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And she'd always say to me, she said, you know, there's some people that are priests that shouldn't be. There's some priests that aren't pre- There's people, some people that aren't priests that should be. Mm-hmm. She said, what do you think? I said, I never thought about it. You know, she was talking to me. I never, this one was for about <laughs> two years. I never got it. And then, uh, Finally, there was a function going on in the Holy Family in the parish hall. And another one of the parishioners had been talking me into the priesthood. She said, hey, did you see where that older priest just got married, which was Father Russ Maurer at the time, just yeah. got uh, ordained? I said, no, because I didn't get the Texas Catholic for some reason at that, that time. It was just weird timing, huh? I said, no. I said, but it doesn't matter. I said, I've taken on dad. I'm doing this other thing. I said, so don't bug me about it. So I'm walking off, and she said, when are you going to stop making excuses? Loud. People mm-hmm. could hear it. I just kept walking. I said, Lord, that could have been you. I said, okay. So I am back, I prayed about it, emailed the Diocese of Dallas, called her. I said, look, I'm going to try one more time. If nothing happens, I said, get off my back. <laughs> and uh, so I checked my email next Monday evening, but the vocations director answered me 10 minutes later. said, we need to talk. And that's how it started. So I said, Lord, if, if, you know, I said, if this is going to happen, please put into it. Let me have my life back. You never put it into it, but it took forever to, uh, to get some, of the results for my psychiatric evaluation. I figured I failed. I mean, you're probably talking to a few minutes and thinking, this guy's psycho. <laughs> so I didn't think it was going to happen. There was this beautiful woman that, uh, had, I noticed. And if she didn't catch me looking at her, I caught her looking at me. So there was an equal interest there, both, you know, but we never spoke, and then I said, Lord, if I don't hear anything about next week, if you're not calling me, I'm calling her. You know. <laughs> I tell him I never date again, but I was gonna make an exception because after mass, she always went to Adoration Chapel. Uh-huh. So she's walking towards me, she's smiling. I thought she's feeling this way, same way I do. We're, you know, we're we're just in unison and everything. Somebody walks up to her, puts his arm around her, which I know who he was because he used to take his father to church, starts talking to her. She looks back at me like this. I never saw her again. I said, Lord, what the heck? I <laughs> said, so I'll never tell you anything else again. The <laughs> next day, next day, I get a phone call. Hey, they'd had the wrong email. If you're from, from your Slack evaluation, you passed. Be in Notre Dame and such, you know, like a couple weeks, you
1: know, so, uh-huh. but that's how the Lord works. <laughs> Yeah, I'm amazed at the the communication you have with God. I it's it's so I I I envy you that uh the the communication back and forth is so uh so clear. That, that that's amazing. So, yeah, they, they you passed the psych exam. Did you have to start from scratch? You mentioned 7 years of seminary. Did you have to start and go through the whole thing or did you already have some of it uh No, uh, I didn't finished? even I didn't,
0: I didn't I never finished college, so I didn't have a degree, so I had to take well everybody has to take philosophy anyway yeah so i took pre-theology which is philosophy you can do it in two years or four years and two years is pre-theology they crammed four years down of philosophy in your throat two years instead of taking four to do it so it was brutal after the first semester i can't even remember my name i don't think (laughs) but the seven years was because i lost a year with covid it would have been six
1: yeah in fact
0: i wasn't even going to take a pastoral year I was just going to go straight through, and then I got sick.
1: Okay, so let, let's talk about that. So that was uh, you told me August twenty twenty, right? And the 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 height of COVID, and this is where things were really really bad for a lot of people. Uh, you're in seminary. You're obviously three years away from being ordained, or, or I guess. And then actually, you,
0: actually, I was two years away. Okay, so you lost That's a whole year going to T three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay,
1: so you uh, you got COVID, and unlike a lot of people, it was. It was a serious case, obviously. Very much so, yeah, yeah. But back then, a lot of them were, yeah, yeah. And uh, came not only near death. You told me before we started, you you flatlined a few times, several times, yes, yeah. Yeah, I just found that a couple months ago, actually. <laughs> okay, <laughs> kind of cool, huh? And did you did that? I mean, you already have a serious prayer life. You got a relationship with God, but that's got to make a difference in your spiritual life when you're thinking God's leading you to priesthood, and all of a sudden you're at death's door. Yeah, you got to be thinking like, God, what's, what's going on here? Kind of you know, like, like that pretty woman who you're like, okay.
0: That, that's. No, actually, that's what brought me out is um, because I started thinking about this. I thought because, you know, I was in a wheelchair for a while when I went to, had to go into rehab. When I could pivot from the bed to the wheelchair, I said, Lord, I can be of use to you again if I, just because I was mobile. I didn't know, the doctors didn't know if I'd ever make a full recovery or not. Nobody knew because COVID was so new. And um, I just got better and better and better. But there for a while, I thought I wasn't gonna be a priest because um, at the time, you know, COVID makes your blood thicken, which is which was part of the problem. But I, then I thought about it, I thought, no, I thought, you asked me, this wasn't anything I came up with on my own. You did this, this is your idea. So I knew then that it was gonna work out, that this was just part of the journey. So I, that's how I took it. Mm. And it was so beautiful because literally there were people praying for me around the world. I heard about experiences they had in prayer. So that was one thing. And then another thing was the incredible doctors and nurses I got to meet through through this whole thing. And like we still have a relationship, you know. I just like I told you, I just celebrated mass over there this past Wednesday in fiber Catholic, and I think there were thirteen or fourteen there, and the rest were Protestant. But Mm. they know the story. They know they'll tell you that it was God. They know it was God. So I was telling them, basically, my my message was, you have to understand, you know, you have this desire to help people, to make a gift of yourself to others. You've risked your life to, because there was no vaccine when I was, when I was sick, but you all risked your lives to help me. I said, when you have, when you treat people like that, I said, you respect the dignity of the person. I said, it's like you have a friend, like uh, you have find a friend that plays tennis or fishing, whatever you all have, then you have something in common. I said, you have a lot in common with the Lord. I said, he knows you. And I said, the whole point of me getting sick, I think, was so you can come to know him. I said, he wants a relationship with you. Mm -hmm. It's been a beautiful experience.
1: Yeah. In fact, you emailed me and said contracting COVID was one of the greatest blessings in my life. It was, yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. And so you get out of it and uh, you continue seminary and uh, all the way to may of 2023 and yes. you're ordained yes. what was going through your mind my i was blessed to be there with my son at that mass uh, of ordination that's a long journey to this this point what was going through your mind as you as the bishop was ordaining you as a catholic priest
0: You know, it's nothing romantic or anything like that. It's like I just like to get this over and get to work. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't
1: the answer I was expecting. (laughs) I
0: mean, it was beautiful, but there's just so much that goes into it. You know, and it's just like um, I just I was ready to go. I just I've been thinking about things for years, and uh, like couple prayer for one. That's something we'll be starting here in January for, for you know, inviting some different couples over from the different parishes to get involved in this. And, uh, things like that on my mind. Yeah. And I, I just, even, but even in the seminary, like I was in the, uh, Dominican high school, all girls high school. I was in their spring musical. And, uh, something I didn't want to do, but it's obvious that that was the Lord wanted me to do it because the teacher was an ex-seminarian. And he'd been praying that someone would fill a certain role as little women. They needed a grandfather. And, uh, I got assigned to Dominican, but I didn't want to do it because uh, I, you know, but it's a girls' high school. I mean, I, I raised two daughters. I had all their friends. I'm used to that. That wasn't going to stretch me. And uh, But then one evening, I thought, you know, I can do this. I can help them with the retreats, do this, this, and this. And that's the same night he prayed. And he said, I got such a peaceful feeling when I prayed. He said, then I then I sent my email to the vice president. She sent me an email. I wanted to know what my specialty was. I said, I don't have any specialties. I said, you know, I said, I can tell you what it's like to lead a secular life. I said, I raised two daughters as a single parent, I said "Had his major conversion when I was home on Broadway shows. I so I can tell you what it's like to de- lead an intentional Christian life. And hmm. you know, she sent it straight to him. and He said, hey, this is great, man. When you need somebody for the show. <laughs> <laughs> You're hired. Yeah, so yeah. I did, I, wasn't, I told him, I said, no, that's not my thing. I don't want to do it. I tried, I emailed the vice president. I said, I don't, want, I don't want to do that. That's not, I'm not an actor. So anyway, he said, just come and see. So I went and the girls were just so dedicated. And I just felt bad. I thought, man, I have to do this. So I said, well, give me the script. There was singing involved. I can't sing. All this stuff I had to do. <laughs> and, uh. It,
1: like I, a great
0: fit. Yeah, but I did it, you know. And I, and I was horrible at it. Like, in the, and when <laughs> I finally got it right, all the, the whole cast are all clapping for me. I thought, this is so embarrassing, you know. But I, I told Cameron this. I said, this, I said, this I know for sure. And this comes in faith, but this comes from knowing him. I said, the Lord would not send me here to sabotage this show. I said, when it comes time to perform, I'll be perfect. I said, I know that. He ended up writing an extra song for me to sing with one of the girls. And I was perfect through the whole thing because I, and people you're nervous. I said, no, it's not about me. It's about them. It was about them. I make, I gave myself mm-hmm. to them. And, uh, so I think we had six shows, uh, it was a beautiful time. When it was over, I was like so depressed because these are my friends now, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And But I saw the vice president of school, the last show. I said, you know, I sent you an email telling you I didn't want to do this. She never answered me. never responded. I said, what's the deal? I said, I'm glad you didn't because it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. But why didn't you respond? She said, I was sat down. I was going to respond. She said, I could just feel the Holy Spirit telling me to stay out of it. It's mm. oh, so, wow. all the way around. Just confirmation that this is what the Lord wanted. And the point is, when he asks you to do something, if you do it, if you just go, walk through that door, he, he wants you to do it in your weakness, because then he can shine. And mm. that, was the, that was the point. Yeah. So I told him from that point on, I said, when you ever open a door, I know what you, I'll
1: walk through it. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm sitting here today, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other thing I want to ask you about, because you were not inclined to do this. No. How old are your daughters now, and what do they think about having their dad as a Catholic priest?
0: Thirty-seven, thirty-nine, uh, they're getting used to the idea. You know, when I first had my conversion, they said, you know, Dad, you're acting kind of weird, which I was, you know. <laughs> because, because, and I actually said this in a homily, too. Um, when you encounter our Lord, all of a sudden you realize what's important and what isn't. And then when you have to come back, you're reacclimated to this life, um, you realize there's so many things we hold on to in this world that just have nothing to do with our salvation. They're useless in many, in many ways. In a lot of ways, they endanger our salvation. So there's so many things, you become more relaxed. It's like just, uh, that, that, that just really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, you prioritize much better. So it's hard to uh, to get reacclimated to to this life, to where you don't stick it like a sore thumb. And you're not weird, and I've done a good job. No one even knows I'm religious. I don't think
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're a straight shooter. I, I've I've noticed that you you just what you say is is what you mean, and uh, you don't sugarcoat things. Uh, uh, and and I, I think that's uh, that that serves you well. That that I'm sure the people at your parish appreciate that i mean and that i'm amazed at uh, just the spiritual life it's really beautiful um so you've been now may june july august you've been at uh, a priest now for a couple over a couple months yeah, uh, been a, better, yeah. a holy family how, how have the first two months been it's been beautiful i've been on, on quite a few sick
0: calls and uh last rides and it's it's been so beautiful you know it's um Notre Dame was very difficult. You know, you brought up earlier going to school with younger guys. And by the way, the class I was in was a different one. They were much younger than I was. Not much younger, but they were, I was the oldest guy by far of the other class. There was a couple people that were close to my age. But I learned so much from them, and they have such faith. I thought, you have so much faith, I wouldn't be here if I was you because I didn't have that faith. I had to actually talk to him, you know, and get to know him before I had mm-hmm. faith in him. But so that was imp- that was impressive, but as far as being with the younger guys i couldn 't um de- i couldn 't like debrief or let my hair down with them and just say because they 're not going to understand where i 'm coming from, where you have someone that 's worked in the real world maybe had a family, he gets it you know you can talk mm-hmm. to him he'll, he'll he's he 's on the same page so that that part was difficult
1: yeah so what, what uh what do you think as far as your ministry, you talk about you know visiting sick people and uh, and what else? How 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 do you foresee God using you as a priest? Or what what parts of the the priesthood you enjoy the most? Or uh,
0: I don't know. Uh, the one thing immediately is, like I said, a couple prayer. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. What kind of uh, prayer? Couple prayer. Okay. Actually, Teresa Tomio is actually she's on the board. She went through it and okay. speaks highly of it. But it, the couple actually um, ends up having a uh, encounter with Christ from one way or the other. And it happens every time because all we're doing in a couple of prayers, you just teach them different ways to pray. Not real prayer. You don't learn anything. You don't memorize anything. It's just engaging Christ in conversation. That's all it takes. People don't do that. And then the, the encounter at some point is going to happen. And here again, like we were talking about before, um, you receive those graces from the sacrament of marriage when you're open to them. If you just go in there getting married in the church, it's a sacrament. Yes, but you have to be, you have to Welcome those graces. You have to want those graces. If you don't want them, he's not mm-hmm. going to force them on you. Yeah. You know, because you're free will. You have to want them and take them. So it's like you, you activate that grace, that sanctifying grace right there, and it makes your marriage much stronger because it makes the marriage crystal centric, which is what it's supposed to be. But my um, passion right now is once they one get started, and I've already talked to them about this, so I said I'm going to use the same theology, but I want to do it for single parent households. So the the parent and the children can have that same relationship and mm. talk because you get in that situation, which I was in that situation, whether it's a, if, if it's a good marriage or a bad marriage, it doesn't matter. Half of you was gone.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If that person was a jackass and that jackass is gone, not, you know, you know how to deal with that, you know? Um, so I really think, and I know in my case, when you get in that situation, that's when the Lord's tugging at your heart. But so often we try to put in temporal terms and think it's another person. When the Lord wants to get in that suffering with you, he wants you to invite him in. He wants to be there. And the second marriages rarely work out. And if they do work out, the kids are always feel like stepchildren, you know, because the spouse wants more attention. Mm-hmm. It's just difficult all the way around. So if someone got divorced uh, and came to me, I would say, before you get remarried, take this with your family. Then if you find somebody, it's going to be someone that's going to be a, a benefit, beneficial to you and him, you can sanctify each other. It's not going to be
1: something out of need. It's going to be something out of, out of desire and, and want. Mm-hmm. You've been asked to give a couple of speeches, commencement addresses. Have, um, they they want to hear your story. What, what, uh, what in particular have they asked you to talk about?
0: Uh, well, at Notre Dame, it was, it was uh, about perseverance. So uh, I, started to, I started to talk out by saying, you know, I don't know about perseverance, because they're talking about my COVID situation. I said, I don't know about perseverance. I said, uh, it came from a place of love. I said, In a, you know, my COVID situation, I thought was a great blessing. It's the only thing I regret about the COVID situation is it's, it's just exposed, this, exposed this beautiful love story that I'd rather keep to myself. It just keeps opening up. And then uh, at Baylor, is uh, they had an ECMO symposium. I was on ECMO for three weeks. Uh and they asked me to speak because I was an ECMO survivor, a COVID survivor, and they wanted me to speak, so I spoke about that and uh mostly about the humanity, humanitarian side of it. I showed them that because I said, you know, as far as ECMO goes, I was asleep most of the time, I was in a coma for three weeks, you know, so I don't mm-hmm. remember much of that. And uh and then I did opening prayer for them, which was good because there was there was live and it was also a virtual Um, so I don't know how many people actually saw it, but it was, it was a beautiful experience. It was hard because like I told the people at Notre Dame, I said, I'm speaking to you about something that happened and by another month, I'll be speaking to the people who it happened with. Saved my mm-hmm. life. They were very, you know, gave rest of their life to save mine. I said, That's gonna be hard to do. That was hard to do.
1: Yeah. You didn't want to do this necessarily, no. but you were convinced by a special uh, spiritual director to do it. Why, why do you n- not uh, <clears throat> like telling your story?
0: Not, not so much by a spiritual director. Um, it's difficult. I mean, like I said, I wrote a book in 2012 about it, it has a lot to do with it. Um, but he told me, he said, you know, the Lord can do more if you stay unknown than if you, you get very well known. So I kind of stuck by that, and I, that's what I've been holding on to. Now my previous spiritual director, before I went to the seminary, I had lunch with her, and she said, you need to tell your story. And then once, one spiritual director had during a retreat said, you need to tell your story. But I have a spiritual director right now. I'm waiting for her to get in town uh, to see – She's going to be my spiritual director. She thinks we've got to talk about it. But I've already made my mind up. She's just going to have to deal with it. Um, but it's, it's, number one, it's hard to talk about. It, but so, but I want to make sure that I'm doing the Lord's will and not mine. So I mm-hmm. prayed this Friday two weeks ago. I said, so, Lord, i got to know what you want from me. I said, if you want me to do this, fine. Then you, 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 you know, I'll do it. I said, but you have to do the interview. What you're telling you right now is doing it right now because I can't usually keep myself together. And uh, and our lady, you know, because she was so instrumental in the whole thing. And uh, because I spoke at Holy, F- some of the most of the people of the Holy Family know a little bit because it's like a uh, that's my home parish, so they do mm-hmm. know some some of it. So I just talked you grew about up in that parish. It. I didn't grow up, but oh. when I came back in town in 2013, oh, okay. that was my home parish. Oh, okay. Actually, my home parish was Saint Luke.
1: Well, that's you're like uh, Father Edwin Leonard, who grew up in Saint Anne's Parish in Capel. Yeah, yeah he's a right, the pastor there. Right. That's, it must be. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. now, now that you're there as a priest, it's great. Yeah.
0: So, uh, where was I? Oh, so I said, I said, Lord, I said, I, I got to know. I said, if you don't want me to do it, I'm kind. Of, I don't like center of it, being the center of attention anyway. I said, I won't do. It. I said, just. I said, let me know. I got to know because people keep asking me. And if it's your will, I'll do it. And then I, I was walking to, the, to get ready I was to vest for mass one morning, one Saturday morning. This guy came out of the Adoration Chapel. He said, do you remember me? I said, no. He said, I I brought a bracelet and a crucifix I had made. He said, I knew I had to bring it for a reason, your homily. I gave it to you. It made him tear up. He said, you gave me faith. You changed my life. He said, people need to hear your story. I thought, okay, Lord. Yeah, that was
1: it. So I sent Katie an email. So, okay, I'm in. I'll do it. Yeah. You want. Gosh, I wish I was half as attentive or a quarter of attentive to the God's voice as you are. They, that's what I really take out of this is just this constant communication you have with God. And I, uh, it's, it's, it's really amazing. And, uh, and I think it's every person, every priest should have it, but we don't, you know? Well, so what's your, what's your advice for somebody who doesn't seem like they have this kind of connection where they can just talk to God. Um, how well, does how does one get that?
0: I, number one, I tell people just start with hello because <laughs> it starts for the conversation. Because yeah. you know, even confession, people you know they they talk about what's going on. So what's your prayer life like? I can already, I don't know what's like. When I pray the rosary. I say this prayer. I say that prayer. Have you ever said hello? Have you ever talked to him? You know, because as long as, if you're just praying the rosary, doing those things, that's fine. My conversion came to the rosary, but it came through the conversation. There's times that I'll spend three hours praying the rosary and never finish the rosary because it's a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, during my conversion, uh, when I was on the road, I was I specifically scheduled things to where I had plenty of time. Like, I go through the desert, and uh, I stay out there for a day or two just in prayer, you know, in the, in the mountains or whatever. And once you get to know him, start having these conversations, it's incredible. And it, it's not—I'm not special. I took the time to get to know him. Mm-hmm. You know, I—I um, I read Catherine all I read her stuff a lot. I'm, I'm still reading the dialogue for probably the fifth or sixth time. It's the different different version, the better one, actually, the best one. I read her letters. Trisha Bava. I've read her several times. And John of the Cross. I've read that one a couple times. And. uh not to learn it, but just uh, to get to know them, too. It's yeah. just an incredible thing. But it's, it, people think it's difficult. It's not. When we're more like Moses, we want to keep the we want to keep the veil on the Lord and just go do a program or something, which will never work until to have a relationship with Him,
1: It's yeah. not going to work. Yeah, very good. Well, thank you so much for telling your story. Um, if you're listening and uh, haven't, mentioned for a while who i'm speaking to and you're probably thinking who is this uh father eugene o'donnell uh one of our recently ordained priests for the diocese of dallas may 20th over at saint jude and allen eight men were ordained he was one of them and he has been assigned to be parochial vicar at holy family of nazareth parish in irving and uh before we close out, Father, is there anything else that you think our listeners should know about you or about the faith or anything else you'd like to say before we uh, finish the interview? No, I'm just saying, if you want to get to
0: know the Lord, start with hello. The same thing with Our Lady. When you're when you're praying the rosary, uh, when you get to the Lone Bee that decade, look at that as a rest area. Take a break and just start talking, start a conversation. Open up to her. Take her in your confidence. Just tell her what you need. She's another one. She's going to introduce me to her her son, and she'll introduce them all. anybody else. That's Mm -hmm. what
1: she does. Yeah. We're uh, recording this on the feast day of St. Maximilian Kolbe, who uh, had a very, very strong devotion to Our Lady. In fact, I did an interview with the gentleman this morning. Uh, This popped into my mind. It'll be the last question. Uh, Tell us about your first Mass, your first, first, you know, when you were able to consecrate the Eucharist. Uh, What kind of an... Because you you strike me as a... (laughs) A guy that um, you know, and you know, you you think things through, and you you feel things strongly. So, how was that?
0: Uh, it was it was difficult actually. But there's been since then. There's been three times when I've just froze and just I'm just looking at the Eucharist, and like, and it's when he, he reaches out, and just grabs you. And sometimes the one time the, the parishioners started thought I forgot the words. They were going on, It's like I couldn't talk. I'm just froze. I'm just in the moment. Sometimes when I bring the Eucharistic prayer. Uh, Think about his passion. I'll, I'll tear up, have to stop, just catch, recompose myself. But you brought up the first mass and that's when I told them to introduce me as Eugene. It's something that the, our ladies want to call me Eugene, so that's why I go by it. But I never, I took Eugene after my grandfather, um, but someone came, one of the prisoners came up and said, why did you Why did you take the name Eugene? So I gave him the reason, my grandfather, you know, plus Dennis is a dad and the grandfather, Eugene's for the people. Did you know today is St. Eugene's Feast Day? You know? Mm-hmm. And uh my spiritual director flew in from uh New Orleans. His name is Father Palermo, he's Sicilian. So I read about St. Eugene, and uh he was much very much about in the peripheries with the people, which is where I'm from, so that's where I gravitate to. During the French Revolution, his family fled uh France and he ended up in Palermo, Sicily. So I thought Mother, I'm so glad I kept my word and went by Eugene because they just things like that. Like, how can,
1: is that a coincidence? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can't be. Yeah. Amazing. Fascinating life. Congratulations on the ordination and uh, a beautiful story. Boy, you've been through a lot and you've, uh, and uh, praise be to God. Father Eugene O'Donnell, uh, one of our newly ordained Catholic priests in the Dallas Diocese and. Uh, thank you very much. I didn't mention this, but our dear friend Steve Porter is uh, sitting in the studio listening, and uh, he's one of uh, Father Eugene's parishioners over there at Holy Family. So, uh, and you're groupie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> either I'm a groupie of his or he is of me. I don't know which one. But um, would you be able to provide a, a blessing for those present and those listening uh, right now?
0: Yes. the Amen. Dear Lord, we ask you to bless those, uh, that are in her, that want to come meet you. Please give them the grace and the courage to come forward, to get to know you, to speak to you heart to heart. If they have difficulty with that, there's always your mother that can help them, that will lead them right to you. That's what she does. And may
1: the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and Son and Holy Spirit come down upon all of you and remain with you forever. Amen. Thank you very much, Father. And uh, this has uh, been an interview with Father Eugene O'Donnell. Thanks to Sissel for writing the board. Thanks, everybody, for listening. God bless you. This has been the KTH 910 AM interview of the week. Golfers, mark your calendars for the 2023 CPLC Golf Classic. Presented by St. Systems on September 21st at Cowboys Golf Club in Grapevine. This year's event promises to be better than ever with more excitement, challenges, and opportunities to win big. All proceeds will benefit the life-saving ministries of the Catholic pro-life community. Early bird pricing is available until September 1st. Sponsorship opportunities for you or your business are also available. Go to ProLifeDallas.org forward slash golf for more information or to register you or your Radio Network Thanks John Pelletier with Cressa Real Estate for his sponsorship of KATH 910 AM. John and his wife Kathleen and children are parishioners at St. Bernard's Parish in Dallas and very active in the local Catholic community. He invites you to contact him if you are in need of commercial office or industrial space for your company. John has represented GRN in their office needs for years. He can be reached by calling 214-277-4524 or by emailing jpelletier at cresa.com working
2: through and healing from my childhood sexual abuse was one of the hardest things i've ever done thankfully god provided amazing people to help me on my journey they can help you too dawn of mercy is offering a three-day faith-based retreat september 8th through the 10th contact dawn of mercy at 469-613-3296 or email healing at dawn of for more information or to register This will be an opportunity to experience healing in a loving, confidential, and discreet setting.
1: Since 1991, the Church has directed Catholics to avoid investment in companies that violate Catholic teaching in areas such as abortion and contraception. Knights of Columbus Asset Advisors provides investments compatible with the teachings of the Catholic faith. Certified financial planner James Bell is an investment advisor representative. James can be reached by calling 817-608-7853. Sponsor of Guadalupe Radio Network, Knights of Columbus Asset Advisors is an SEC registered investment advisor investing involves risk kfca.com for more information
2: Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM interview of the week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH 910 AM interview of the week. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth catholic radio for your soul on the guadalupe radio network in north texas heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone